This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For every one hour that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Today, we're shining a light on athletic trainers in the health industry. And to the general public, even to other professionals in the health industry, an athletic trainer can be seen as just a personal trainer for athletes. That's a pretty big misconception. Our guest today is making a case for the importance of athletic trainers in the workplace, specifically in occupational medicine. I'd like to welcome Brian Reich, Director of Industrial Athlete for Work Care. Brian, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on, and I'm looking forward to breaking down this the, this misconception, I guess, in the industry, and really this great benefit that comes from bringing preventative care to the workplace. So I think we need to start by clearing the air a little bit around the profession of being an athletic trainer. So when we say athletic trainer, what are the multi-skilled curriculums that they typically have to go through, and in what industries does your typical athletic trainer practice? Yeah, absolutely. Athletic trainers are are really highly qualified healthcare professionals. Uh, they collaborate with physicians for things like preventative services, emergency care. Uh, they perform clinical diagnosis of orthopedic injuries and and other illnesses. Uh, they they do therapeutic interventions and rehabilitations of injuries, and <clears throat> really take care of numerous different medical conditions. So, athletic trainers typically work. Uh, in in a sports medicine type setting uh, they're recognized by the american medical association um, the health resource service administration and the department of health and human services as allied healthcare professionals and i think the confusion often comes up about athletic trainers just in the name you know athletic trainer you think oh you're a trainer for athletes and, and when people hear trainer they think personal trainer typically however there's a large difference in in education and skill set as well as job duties uh, for for patients of an athletic trainer, they're looking for uh, that healthcare professional that can provide them that that orthopedic intervention so that they can diagnose what happened to the individual and utilize their academic curriculum that they go through. Uh, and it's it's amazing how it can translate into the occupational health setting because although athletic trainers typically work in that sports setting for a college or a high school or a professional sports team, uh, what we see is the sprains and strains that are seen in the sports world from whether it be repetitive motion, doing the same activity over and over, or uh, a traumatic injury crosses over into that occupational space, um, especially in manufacturing or utility or high industry where uh, the workers in this space have a repetitive job and they're doing the same motion over and over again. It's very similar to what we see in that sports setting. And so the skills and abilities of an athletic trainer to address those injuries, to provide an intervention and reduce their discomfort and even give advice to their patients to prevent injuries to altogether is really beneficial uh, in in both occupational medicine and sports medicine. When 
a student or you know someone looking to join this profession does and graduates and becomes a certified athletic trainer, uh, are they typically looking for jobs in that industry? Um, and by that industry, I mean the the sports industry or uh, sports medicine industry. Is that typically where most of your athletic trainers look for a career? Um, and if so, you know, does that affect bringing them to uh, the occupational medicine world? Yeah, what's unique about athletic training is, uh, you, you know, you must graduate from a from an accredited baccalaureate program or a master's program. In fact, 70% of athletic trainers have their master's degree, according to the, the National Association survey. Uh, what we see is most athletic trainers uh, have very little knowledge that there's opportunities in this industrial setting. Uh, so their focus tends to be in the sports setting. Uh, although now uh, with the work that WorkCare is doing, we're really trying to partner with these universities to get exposure to students uh, so that they understand what's happening in the workplace and that there are opportunities out there more than just being on the sideline of a sporting event, that they can really get into industry and affect people's daily lives. So do you think this common misconception around athletic trainers being, uh, you know, personal trainers or being only relegated to the sports medicine industry, um, do you think that has any sort of harm to the profession? Uh, you know, do you feel like it's important to be actively educating on the diverse importance of being an athletic trainer? Yeah, I think it creates challenges uh, for athletic trainers because you can't do what you don't know. Uh, so by providing opportunities where these student athletic trainers uh, are learning about the variety of work settings that they can work in uh, and also working with regulators to have the regulators understand when they create licensure for athletic trainers. Like, athletic trainers have licensure in the 48 states in the District of Columbia, and, and they're currently working on, uh, excuse me, 49 states. They're currently working on the last state, which is California, uh, and, and actively lobbying to make sure we get licensure there. But uh, when, when we can get athletic trainers and regulators all working together to understand that athletic trainers can do so much more and apply their skills in so many more settings, then they really have an opportunity to help so many more people with their skill set and what they've done. Uh, what, what I've seen is when you expose athletic trainers to this opportunity, uh, young athletic trainers get really excited about the, the opportunity because many of them have family members that work in industry. And they never thought, wow, I could, I could help my, my dad or my uncle who works for a utility company. I thought I was just going to be on the sideline of that sports team. I didn't know I could help them in their job and help them stay at their job and stay healthy longer. Uh, so I think there's a lot of uh, activity that still needs to be done to educate even the athletic training community on this emerging practice, and I'm part of the Committee on Practice Advancement for the NATA uh, regarding doing just that. And what has that experience been like being on that committee? So I recently just joined the committee, um, but uh, in our first meeting here at the National Athletic Trainers Association uh, Clinical Symposium and Expo, it's a yearly meeting where athletic trainers get together to further their education and gain continuing education. And uh, sitting in on that meeting, uh, there's really a focus on 
educating uh, both athletic trainers and the community uh, that athletic trainers can work in this kind of setting so that the general public realizes what an athletic trainer is and how they can benefit other people's businesses, uh, how they can reduce things like workers' comp spend or days away uh, restricted time or lost work days for those employees uh, and really help those businesses on their cost end, but also help those athletic trainers understand uh, what the benefits are working in this setting and also what some of the unique challenges are because there's some additional education that helps you succeed in this setting, uh, being an athletic trainer in, in a unique setting. Okay, we'll loop back around to athletic trainers here in a little bit, but I also want to help set the stage equally for basically the other half of this conversation, which is around occupational health and medicine, and then we'll we'll bridge the two worlds. So when we look at occupational health, where do companies and organizations most regularly see occupational health risks? Yeah, typically the, the largest spend you see for companies is in the sprains and strains world. Um, it, for many large companies, those slip strips and falls that lead to an ankle sprain or a wrist sprain as they catch themselves as they fell, um, th those add up very quickly. Uh, so for most companies in the sprain and strain category or ergonomic injury category, that's where we see the, the largest cost to a company. I'll give you an example. If a company spends you know, $50,000 a year uh, on an injury and their profit margin is 4%, uh, they would have to make up you know, $1.25 million in profit to cover the total cost of that injury to offset it and maintain their profit margin. Um, so when you blow that out to you know, larger companies where their injury costs are $500,000 or more, uh, it, maintaining that same, you know, 4% profit margin, it's going to take them $12.5 million uh, to maintain the offset of that. So when you approach a company and say, hey, we have an opportunity to help you reduce your workers' comp spend and reduce the number of sprains and strains that you have and help do some early symptom intervention, because oftentimes those repetitive motion or cumulative trauma injuries those injuries that build up over time, not those sudden traumas, but those little things over time that wear on the body, uh, and then the body uh, finally has an event where there's a sprain or a strain, those tend to be some of the, the most frequent uh, costs for uh, a, an industry. So if we can work with them to get athletic trainers you know, in with the company to reduce those spend, uh, that's, that's huge savings for that company. I'm glad you brought up the savings because, yeah, uh, occupational health risks beyond just the literal cost of the care can have rippling effects and uh, incur really exorbitant costs on a company. Um, so I wanted to ask, you know, beyond just the financial issues or just the, the basic front end finance of having to pay for someone's um, health care, how do workplace injuries affect a company? Um, and some of the things that I'm thinking of are um, how recordable injuries might lead to workers' comp cost increases and um, decreases in safety ratings for a company. Break down some of those more tangential ways that 
not being proactive with your uh, occupational health at your company can negatively impact your company. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up a couple great ones. So, you know, many companies are contractors and uh, they are evaluated by different organizations for their safety rankings. And other companies that want to use that contractor are going to consider what's the safety ranking of this contractor? If I bring them on site to work on my job, are they going to do it safely? Uh, and so the bread and butter for that company is hey, what's my safety rating? Uh, and if my safety rating's high, I'm more likely to get, get the bid for a job. Uh, so it can even mean, do I get this job or not uh, as a contract company based on my safety ranking? So if I'm frequently experiencing uh, different injuries on site, then my safety ranking could go down. And that's going to affect your overall business uh, for, for that company. Uh, another issue is also just uh, productivity. So, you know, your productivity cuts into your pro profit margin, but also just the, the attitude of your worker. So anytime, you know, any of us has experienced some kind of discomfort or injury, uh, we find that we're not very happy. You know, <laughs> when people experience pain, they tend to not just be jumping for joy. So, you know, when you come into work and you're in a state of, you know, soreness or pain, every day, it tends to make you move a little bit slower. You're less productive. You're not as active as you normally would be on the job. And that affects your bottom line as a company. Uh, so from a, a worker productivity standpoint, and then again, you know, coming back to if you have a worker that's on restricted duty or uh, loses work days because they're out, that hurts your productivity as well. And it may even affect what jobs you can or cannot accept to do because you don't have enough staff to perform that job, especially when you have a highly skilled workforce uh, that you know only a few people can do the job of that person uh, that happens to be out due to that, that discomfort or injury. And really at its core, like other aspects of healthcare, occupational medicine is best when it's acting like a proactive industry. And I think maybe not more than other aspects of healthcare, but y you really see the impact of when you're not taking occupational medicine from a proactive perspective for your company, the kinds of negative effects it can have on your employees, on the company as a whole, company morale and culture. Uh, why do you think that there is maybe an issue with keeping occupational health in the workplace preventative and not just reactive, right? Like proactive, not reactive. Yeah. A lot of companies, you know, they, they really follow lagging indicators. So they see, okay, this is my workers comp spend. So this is where my, my issues are. And it's good to look back uh, and, and address things that are causing problems over time, but you really have to do some analysis and find the root cause. If you can find the root cause of what the problem is, then you can set up programs to be proactive to address those things before they become a lagging indicator. So if you can be proactive as a company uh, and, and work with you know, companies like WorkCare to set up preventative programs, uh, what you'll see is not only does the bottom line change, but you find that your workers are happier they're being more productive because 
you're proactively addressing issues before they become an issue. Uh, and instead of just reacting and saying, let's put a Band-Aid on this because we see this as a problem, uh, but really addressing by addressing the root cause and doing some analysis on the front end, you can be proactive in preventing that. And that's it's hard for a lot of companies to do that because uh, you want to make decisions based on data. So they really track their data, and a lot of the data that they track is that lagging indicator. Um, so by getting your focus on leading indicators, um, and I'll give you an example of that. If I say a lagging indicator is, you know, my certain job classification had 17 shoulder injuries, my leading indicator would be how many proactive programs do I have working with that job classification to address shoulder injury or ergonomics? And I start tracking my level of activity in those programs. Uh, if the root cause is ergonomics of the shoulder while, while performing that job, and I start doing employee education and working with those employees to address their ergonomics in their shoulder, their strength, their flexibility, their range of motion in the shoulder, and I focus on the proactive, what I'll see is the long-term reactive result will be you've reduced shoulder injuries. Um, so it just depends on where your metric is focused. If you can really do those proactive things, uh, it's going to benefit you over time. Okay, let's loop the athletic trainer back into the conversation now and bridge these two worlds. So how do you think utilizing an athletic trainer's skill set can help address these underlying issues with occupational medicine in the workplace? Um, and in what ways do you think an athletic trainer can bring proactive medicine to the workplace to benefit not only the employees, but the company as a whole? Absolutely. So athletic trainers really uh, specialize in patient education to prevent injury and, and re-injury. And this preventative focus of athletic trainers has a positive return on investment uh, for those employers. So, you know, athletic trainers are really able to reduce discomfort and injury and also shorten the severity if, if an injury should occur. They're actually able to decrease that severity by working with those, those patients. And, and it turns into lower absenteeism um, from, from work. It reduces those healthcare costs. So athletic trainers have this amazing skill set uh, of looking at orthopedic injuries uh, from a functional standpoint and diagnosing them and then understanding what they can do. What we're doing is actually employing our work care athletic trainers to look at discomfort before it even becomes an injury. So at the first signs of discomfort, how can we address those workers and provide them the best care that we can to prevent the injury altogether? And then also providing uh, education uh, in relation to ergonomics, uh, doing job analyses, uh, partnering with companies to do things like, you know, uh, post-offer employment testing uh, and, and working with them on what the, the essential functions of the job should be uh, and really utilizing all the skills of the athletic trainer to do some, you know, hands-on interventions uh, and, and making sure that employees can prevent injury altogether. Right. And I mean, for as much as we've said athletic trainers are not personal trainers, there is still that level of personal interaction and in personal guidance that I think an athletic trainer can bring to the workplace that's going to be more effective than 
just reactive medicine or trying to be proactive in other ways, like with educational videos or just trying to, I, I don't know, implement g general broad mandates and stuff to, to help keep people safe in the workplace. When you've got that human touch point, addressing the nuances of everyone's issues becomes way more plausible. Absolutely. I think the, the relationship that athletic trainers build with their patients, uh, you build a rapport. And by having an on-site athletic trainer working with your workforce, uh, they develop that one-on-one that -on -one understanding. They realize how effective athletic trainers can be and how beneficial they can be in the workplace. So once they understand the athletic trainer's skill set and they develop that trust factor with the athletic trainer that's there on-site, they start to realize, hey, this person, this athletic trainer, this profession is really here to help me. And they're here for me. Uh, and they feel a very individualized level of care. And so uh, when they realize, hey, I can go to this person for all these discomforts. I can go to them if I have ergonomic questions. I can go to them if I have mental health questions. I can go to them for nutrition and and hydration guidance, um, the, the variety of health and wellness uh, knowledge that athletic trainers have is really vast and, and multi-skilled. So when you can develop that relationship and that, that functioning work relationship with a, a healthcare professional uh, that's right there on your work site, it makes healthcare easy. And if it's easy, then employees are going to use it. So then where do you think the disconnect is coming from in getting athletic trainers to the workplace? Uh, do you think that the responsibility falls on having to better educate the trainers themselves on the opportunities for meaningful work and occupational health? Or do you think the responsibility falls on the companies to be better educated on the impact that an athletic trainer could have on their company? I, I really think it's both and. Uh, so I think it's it's you know, educating athletic trainers that there is opportunity out there. I think it's showing companies the huge benefit that having certified athletic trainers in the workplace is. And in, in a lot of cases, it's also working with the regulators to make sure that the licensure acts allow athletic trainers to provide service to industry in every state. Uh, and so some states try to limit the, the scope of practice for athletic trainers. And some states are really open to athletic trainers working in every setting. Uh, so I think it comes down to, you know, educating athletic trainers on the opportunities. It comes to working with companies to see the effectiveness of having an athletic trainer in their workplace that they can provide a, such a wide variety of services that they can complement their ergonomics teams. They can complement their injury prevention and health and safety teams, uh, and they can really have a huge impact there. And then it's also working with regulators to understand uh, the huge benefit that athletic trainers are providing in every setting and to make sure that they can provide that uh, under their license in every state. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that being a, a double front uh, initiative. Uh, basically, yeah, it's not going to be enough to just educate companies that athletic trainers could be a great occupational health solution, but you also have to encourage the athletic trainer profession 
especially early on as they're doing their education to take into account the potential for a great career in occupational medicine and also just how their work can really impact people's day-to-day lives in the workplace where often these issues don't get addressed. So to wrap things up, I want to give you a chance to give us some context and a nice anecdote here. Um, So do you have any examples of how an athletic trainer has really saved uh, an employee or a company health costs and improved their literal health and, uh, you know, really saved company time as well, all in one fell swoop? Sure. Um, I actually will share a, a fairly personal story. So you know, being a certified athletic trainer myself and actually working uh, in the industrial setting uh, for some time, uh, one of the things that I experienced uh, was working with an employee who performed a lot of overhead work. Uh, so the nature of their job was having their arms above uh, above their head for a good portion of the day. And uh, I I met this this uh, worker out in the field, and and he said, Hey, you know, I want I want to talk to you. Brian uh, about some something that's bothering me and I said okay you know I I figured he had a little mild discomfort and goes every time I work overhead for any any amount of time my arms go numb and and that's kind of a problem for performing my job every day and I said yeah that's that's definitely a concern let's let's talk about that Uh, and so as I I did some further work with him uh, I found that uh, he was suffering from uh, thoracic outlet syndrome uh, which is uh, compression of of uh, a nerve and some some arteries and veins in in the upper arm shoulder area uh, on the front side of your body. So uh, I I said, hey, you you have this existing wellness program of stretching and exercises. Let's look at these these particular stretches and exercises that you should continue to do. Uh, and he goes, well, I do them some of the time, but I don't really do them. And I said, look, I I will work with you, and and I promise you, if you if you really follow what we talk about, uh, you can get better. And, you know, there, there was quite a bit of disbelief at first. You know, he, he had suffered from this condition for some time and, and wasn't somebody that would go to the doctor normally. Uh, kind of the culture around uh, his work was, regardless of how I feel, I'm just going to get the job done. Uh, so I, I approached him and I said, look, this is, if you really do what I say, I, I promise you will get better. Uh, it, it was, you know, pretty straightforward condition. And, uh, and so he started performing the stretches and exercises and, uh, and about two weeks later I followed up with him and I said, Hey, you know, how are you doing? And he goes, no, I can't believe it. I said, you can't believe what? And he goes, my, my arms aren't going numb anymore. And I said, really? You, you know, good. You know, that I told you if you actually did this, you, you could get better. Um, because really it was about, you know, strengthening his upper back and, and opening up his shoulders. So it wasn't getting compression on that, that bundle of nerves and, and, and vessels. So he, he says, Brian, I don't think you understand, you know, I, I, I needed this, uh, I, I need my overtime, um, my pay, you know, I've got to make my, my paycheck. I've got, you know, house payments and all my bills. And he goes, if I was put on adjusted work, I wouldn't be making my normal paycheck. I couldn't work overtime. And he goes, it really would have affected, you know, what I can bring home to my family and, and really thanked me for what I was doing for him. So, you know, that, that made a huge difference to that employee. And it also had a huge impact on me as a provider uh, because I realized, you know, it's great in a sports medicine setting 
to return an athlete back to sport. And occasionally, if you're working in a, a professional setting, you know, returning that athlete is their paycheck. So it is very similar. Uh, but when you're working with a high school student or a college student, uh, you know, they're not getting a paycheck to be out there on the field. They're doing it for the love of the game. Uh, and there is some satisfaction, but often athletic trainers, they don't get that thank you. They get the joy of just seeing that person excel in their sport. Uh, and so to work with uh, the industrial setting and get that, that level of impact where, you know, they're feeding their family uh, because of the work that you're doing with them, that's a, that's a, that's a huge uh, emotional event uh, for you as well as, as well as for them. Uh, when it comes to the impact that that had on the company, um, the particular uh, team that he worked on or work group that he worked in um, tended to be, you know, understaffed uh, for the work that they were doing. And if he had gone out, that would have impacted the productivity level of that entire, you know, crew that he worked on. Uh, and so then, you know, it, it, it impacts his ability to provide his team with the help that they need. And so the work they could do would have been reduced. And then the productivity is reduced and that affects that for that whole area of the company. Uh, so it, even helping just one person with their discomfort can have a, a pretty big impact uh, when you can place an athletic trainer in place and, and do it across a company as a program, like what WorkCare can provide companies. Uh, what, what you'll see is a huge reduction in a much bigger way. Uh, so a case study with a, a major company I worked with uh, what we saw is reduction of millions of dollars in workers' compensation costs because this program was put in place uh, of having athletic trainers, you know, out in the workplace. They'd meet with, with crews in the morning, go out and work with, with the workforce in different areas and, and really provide a huge impact uh, to that workforce and a huge impact to that company because, uh, you know, the, the dollars they spent on having the people there to provide uh, the care that they needed uh, was significantly less than what they were spending uh, it, on workers' comp costs. And I feel like these stories are the ones that the industry really needs to bring to light and really focus on these individual moments of triumph, uh, though, yes, the impact on the company is probably what's going to help close the deal and it's going to get your your C-suite or your decision maker um, uh, leaders at the company to decide, yeah, all right, we're going to go with an athletic trainer. I think the, the personal side of it, the way that you can see someone's entire life get revitalized, changed for the better, and, you know, re-empowering people to continue their careers because of this preventative medicine, it's those stories that I think are really going to not only bring to light how crucial an athletic trainer can be for occupational medicine, but also help athletic trainers realize the potential for great, meaningful work in that industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as we see an aging workforce, um, you know, we, we have multi-generations of workers out in the workplace. And for skilled workers, uh, we have a workforce at, at many companies uh, that, that, you know, are getting older but want to continue to work. We've seen the retirement age across industry increase year over year uh, to be later and later in life. 
And what we want to do is make sure that when employees show up at the job, regardless of their age, uh, that they go home in the same or better condition than when they showed up by working with uh, an on-site athletic trainer. So if what we can do is really position ourselves in such a way that, that they're there to provide that service, we can help people stay at work longer, but safer and healthier. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and giving us your insight on the importance of preventative occupational medicine and the impact that athletic trainers can have on that front for companies and for individual employees. It was a pleasure getting to break this down with you and uh, looking forward to speaking with WorkCare again in the future. Thank you so much and have a great day. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of the MarketScale Healthcare Podcast. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries. And there you can subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. 